previously on. See you in another life, brothers. Hey, bro, have you seen my copy of The Best of Phil Collins? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't know anything about that. Anyway, I saw the future again. Oh, no. What horrible fate will you save me from this time? Well, here's the thing. This time I saw a happy future, because my girlfriend is coming back! Oh, great. But you're gonna have to do me a solid and uh, take an arrow through the neck. Wait, seriously? Yeah, it's like this really deeply meaningful sacrifice with, you know, biblical overtones. Abraham, Isaac, and such. You understand, right? I don't know. Seems like you're just using me to get your girl. Wow, I expected more from you, but clearly you don't understand the value of sacrifice. Okay, let me get this straight. You get your girlfriend back, and what's in it for me? You get to go camping! Okay, uh, can I bring my guitar? You know it, brother! Alright, I'll go under one condition. You admit once and for all that the Flash would beat Superman in a foot race. (sighs) Alright, never mind. Deal's off. And here's your stupid mixtape. I knew it. Hey, brothers, and welcome to See You in Another Life, brothers. Man, you know, it, this ep- when when we do an episode on a Desmond episode, it just feels mm-hmm. right. It feels like our show is, is you know, it feels most at home here because our, our show is called See You in Another Life, brothers, right? And now yeah. we're talking about the See You in Another Life brother himself, Desmond David Hume. It's just It's just right, right? I I definitely feel like anytime um Desmond says brother um mm-hmm. I want to like cheer when I'm watching it, you know. Yeah. Um I mean especially when it's, you know, see you in another life, you know, like when he does that quote, but anytime someone says brother in this show, I I'm just doing that meme where it's, you know, pointing at the screen like they said the thing, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and this yeah, is the or, the origin of brother, right? Like yeah. this episode, I love that that you know that they kind of subtly slipped that in. Like oh yeah, oh he was a monk, and we kind of figured that out already. He he mentioned that he was almost a priest. I th- I believe. I think almost so. A doc- or maybe not. Almost a doctor. He, Desmond Hume. That's what I love about him. He was almost a doctor, almost a priest. Mm-hmm. He's the man in the middle. But here we see why he always calls everyone brother. And uh, it's a, it's kind of fascinating to look at this as sort of the Desmond Hume origin story, because this is the earliest Desmond episode we get, I believe, right? I um, think you're right. Yeah, yeah, because everything else is with Penny. And I love also how they, they don't explicitly say that this was before Penny throughout until the yeah. very end. The end of this episode got me. I didn't expect it to get me, but it got me the first time I watched it. For some reason, I was just a blubbering mess watching it because I'm like, mm. that was beautiful what they did. Like the twist and like he gets fired as being a monk and then Penny's there. 
just fantastic, which I, I think I know I knew catch 22 is one of my favorites of the season three, but like mm-hmm. that kind of gave it an extra oomph there. I'm like, man, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I did not remember the ending being as moving as it was. And honestly, um, it, this is like the, the Desmond episode. I remember the least, you know, I, I always remember kind of like, Oh yeah, there's, there's flashback where you see him as a, as a monk. Right. And, Mm. (laughs) and I always forget where, where that happened. Um, and so, uh, I kind of forgot until you hear, um, the actress who plays uh, Penny, her voice at the beginning of that scene at the end, uh, I had forgotten that she was even in this episode until that moment. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is something special for sure. Yeah, this is the most normal Desmond episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is a straightforward flashback episode with Desmond. Although they still managed to make it crazy because of where we actually get to see his flashes, which is cool. Yeah, uh, we haven't really true. gotten to see that yet. So that's how they how they make it. Desmond episode always has to be an event. There always has to be something unusual going on that's going to make you remember this one forever and that's why i think we love desmond so much he's like he's the character that that is sort of messing with the whole show (laughs) becoming a meta commentary on loss but i think here they make it a normal desmond episode because they have i feel like something more grounded to say about him Mm. as, as opposed to some of the other episodes where it's a little more uh, metaphysical and sort of like sci-fi and they're and you're getting a little distracted by oh it flashes before your eyes or oh he's um you know he, it's the season two finale and and we're actually seeing him go through on the island beforehand or of course the constant which is don't even get me started on that one. Oh yeah uh, can't wait to talk about that <laughs> one but here i think they're really just making a very simple statement kind of about Obviously, sacrifice is a key term. And I think it's also, they don't explicitly say it, but it's sort of a, it's a commentary on um, mercy in a way. Hmm. The mercy that, that exists for people when they, when you think, because a lot of Desmond is he thinks he's, uh, knows his purpose, or he thinks he knows what's supposed. Supposed is a big word as well. It's what's supposed to happen, mm. and when that doesn't happen, I think this episode makes a, a really beautiful statement about mercy um, mm. from a from an overall God or higher power sort of perspective. So yeah. that's why I like it so much. We'll talk. We'll unpack that a little more. But that's kind of my overall thoughts on Catch Twenty Two. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that you're totally right. Like, this is the, in a way, like, the least metaphysical kind of, you know, uh, questions of um, space and time Mm -hmm, (laughs) uh, mm -hmm. sort of episode with Desmond. But it's the most uh, we see, I think, Desmond really at the center of, like, kind of an ethical, moral struggle. Mm-hmm. Because he's trying to decide what he's going to do about what yes. he's seen. And it's also maybe the most spiritual yeah. episode of Desmond. Which, while it's not like a metaphysical, like a like space-time questions of that, 
it has a pretty interesting ending with the question of god's purpose for desmond's life kind of yeah which is interesting like the episode that is the least sci-fi sort of thing even though it's still definitely got that in it for desmond if you just look at it on its face feels like it makes a statement about god (laughs) more than any other episode which is interesting yeah there's so much going on here there's that you bring in the abraham like i mean they reference the bible quite a bit with abraham and they're i mean yeah it we just need to get into it because we could yeah this this could go two hours to warn you people um we'll try to rein it in but uh let's talk let's let's talk about these flashbacks like we're saying with desmond being a monk um Mm -hmm. start off with the first scene and the first scene starts off with a very important shot of Desmond, I believe, to to really understand this episode clearly. Like what you're saying, it's making a statement about God and making a statement about religion. And I think when you when you pay attention to the first shot with Desmond sit in the in his cell mm-hmm. reading the Bible and the look of just distress on his face, the look of struggle, the look of like it is so clear that he does not want to be reading the Bible right now. It is so clear that he's struggling to pay attention, struggling to focus on it. And I think that's important because it it's, it's pointing to the reason that Desmond wanted to become a monk in the first place, which we'll get into as the episode unfolds, but it's clearly, he's not really communing with God. <laughs> he's, he's trying uh-huh. to go through the motions of being a monk and he's not really enjoying it, but he's like, this is my purpose. I have to keep gritting my teeth and pushing through it. Um, so I love that that first shot. You can overlook it, but that's that's important. I I totally agree, and I'm glad you pointed that out because, yeah. Then then suddenly the monk shows up, and yeah. kind of we understand where he is. Um, this was kind of his initiation to becoming a monk to kind of prove that he could do this uh, to uh, take a vow of silence for a period of time. Um, and it feels like the monk is saying, you know, like you've proven that you can be patient and calm, you know, and penitent and, uh, focusing on God when before he showed up, yeah, Desmond was definitely right in the middle of kind of a look of frustration and struggle. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, not a just, you know, peaceful, calm, you know, monk stature. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm glad you pointed that out because that's like, this is, Desmond is just going through uh, a difficult time right now. And for some reason, it has taken him to this place for a time. Um, but this is not where he's meant to stay. And that's clear from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brother Campbell, the monk, his his lines where he's talking about how, you know, we... God tests our faith in many ways and uh, some, you know, some do the vow of silence for a few days. Some do it for a month for you, Desmond. I never thought you'd last. Um, he stands corrected and, and brother Campbell is astonished by it. And, and, you know, his perspective, he's just thinking, well, that just shows how humble and, you know, pen and uh, devout, devout Desmond is mm-hmm. when really, it's actually 
pointing to another thing we see about Desmond that it's so consistent throughout his character. I love that, that they do it because we saw it in the season two finale and we've seen it, you know, in the flashbacks with Penny, he is not humble. It's actually the opposite. His pride is so powerful mm. that he will go to such lengths like the race around the world. I got to get my honor back. And that's how mm-hmm. he'll go on a freaking race around the world. He'll, he'll stay silent for a month just because that's how powerful his he needs to become a man he can be proud of basically and mm. that's at the core of why he wants to be a monk he's like when when brother you can see when brother campbell gives him the the cloak and everything and he puts it on cloak is probably not the right term for it but the the uniform <laughs> i apologize yeah. to all the monks listening out there um, for, <laughs> uh, but he looks such he has such like this is it this is the pinnacle i'm a monk now here we go. I'm a man I can be proud of. I'm one of, I love how they put the term one of us in there, by the way, too. Like, Oh yeah. I didn't think about at that. The end of, you're, you're one of us. It's just kind of a wink at last. So is Desmond really one of us? Once again, we're questioning that. Like, mm-hmm. is he really a monk? Um, or is he just kind of going through the motions to belong? Basically. Mm-hmm. It's, it is interesting how this is, this is just another one of those times in Desmond's life where he, um, thinks that uh he's arrived and he's putting on the uniform of the thing he thinks he's supposed to do you know what i mean like he he's done this he joined um the military or whatever you know like he did that and then he had the uniform as a member of the dharma initiative (laughs) you know (laughs) pushing the button is the most important thing you'll ever do Mm -hmm. um and it's just interesting to see his journey as kind of like all these different uniforms thinking this is this is the thing i'm supposed to do that will give my life meaning mm-hmm. that's desmond's constant like constant refrain the dharma initiative solo race around the world being a monk all mm-hmm. he's gonna join the he's joined as the army too you know so the military as well we're gonna see that he's always trying to build himself up um because he doesn't feel worthy otherwise and he can't mm give himself to anyone else until he feels like he's worthy of doing that basically. Yeah. So that brings us to the second scene where I guess we're going to have to get into the uh, story of Abraham. Oh man, this is yeah. The great reference to the biblical story, Genesis. Uh, Let's go back and talk about Abraham. You know, he didn't have a son for a long time. Finally had a son when he was like a hundred. Right. And then, yeah, for all, for the background, for all you people who aren't familiar with the story out there, the, mm-hmm. and then, uh, God's like, I gave you a son and the son was going to be, a, you're going to turn you into a great nation and everything. Abraham decides to, and then God says, you know what, actually take your son up to a mountain and sacrifice him to me. Mm-hmm. The Mount Moriah, as we're talking about in this scene. And, uh, Abraham takes his son obediently goes all the way up to that top of the mountain is going to sacrifice him and at the very last second god steps in and provides a substitute so that's the story in a nutshell and i love that they're comparing it to desmond both in you know in the flashbacks and especially on the island when we get to talking about him and charlie but in this scene when he's talking to brother campbell and he says 
not the most festive locale, is it? You know, talking about the the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one might argue God might not need of need have asked Abraham to sacrifice his son in the first place. Um, Desmond doesn't like the idea of sacrifice. Well, he doesn't like that idea of sacrifice. And I think when you look at the Abraham story, Mm -hmm. Isaac represents like, Abraham as somebody he's like he's going to be a great nation right mm-hmm. and so God's mm-hmm. asking Abraham to give up his you know what makes him uh his his pride basically right mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of you could look at it that way so I think there, there's kind of that in there um I wonder if that's the story that De- they you know it's a it's a tv show but Desmond was reading in the bible before brother Campbell uh-huh. came in and that's he's struggling with that idea so that there's an element of that in there, I think. Like, mm-hmm. why would he ask him to give up his son? That's yeah. It's interesting because uh, it feels this conversation feels uh, at one level also like um, Desmond uh, feels like he's earned his place to be able to talk with this That's fellow true. monk and say, uh, you know. But yeah, like that story in the Bible, it's kind of weird, isn't it? You know, like he feels like he's at the level to be able to say something like that. Whereas, you know, Brother Campbell is like, uh, Desmond, I don't think you've read it enough. You know, I don't think you you understand what it's actually saying. Um, so that's kind of an interesting level of it. But it's also interesting that, yeah, that that idea... Uh, is very central to the rest of this episode. Does Desmond understand the value of yes. sacrifice? Does he see it, that there is any um, meaning to that? Um, God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, um, not because he was, you know, vindictive or you know an angry God or anything, but eventually to prove that he is not like the other gods too and he's yeah. the one who will provide a sacrifice or a substitute in the ram that abraham ends up sacrificing in isaac's place and at the same time god you know asks him to do this to uh to see if abraham is able to say god is more valuable yes than even my most prized thing, you know, the thing I care about most in this life, which is my son and my, you know, descendants and the promise of a great nation, the promise that God gave him. And so for Desmond, does he understand what it means to put something as important as God, you know, or, or a symbolic thing, you know, I mean, anything else in this story to put something like that above whatever else he could care about which for him at this point like you were saying is kind of his pride (laughs) his his desire to do something important um yeah and to follow his own way i think that's that's exactly yeah what i was thinking the the value of sacrifice is an important phrase 
And Desmond does not understand the value of sacrifice because, like you're saying, the, the story of Abraham is about him, about God kind of showing Abraham, you know, in the exercise of going all the way to almost sacrifice his own son, give up the thing that most va- is most valuable to him in the world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the lesson is learning that God is more important than anything else. God, it's God yeah. above all, like you're saying. Um, Desmond doesn't understand the value of sacrifice because he's sacrificing things in order to the altar of self. Like as we see throughout, as we'll see in the next scene, um, as we see that uh, Ruth's brother punches him in the face, there's something going on there. That's a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all is not right, but he's continually um, trying to. He's sacrificing things that aren't going to make it that 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 risk making him feel less than mm. to try yeah. to protect his feelings. Basically, is part of it too. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, the guy comes in, punches Desmond in the face. Uh, Forgive me, brother. And Brother Campbell's like, what have I done? Why have <laughs> I promoted this guy to monk? Oh, man. Oh, geez. <laughs> All the other just monks imagine are like... <laughs> that guy just like bonks himself on the head. Oh, geez. Oh, you done it again, Brother Campbell. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing? Yes. And that brings us to Ruth, which I love that she's named Ruth, by the way. Mm. Just another biblical reference in here to Ruth, who is like the the antithesis to Desmond mm-hmm. uh, in her story because she's willing to give up everything, all she knew in her life to go mm-hmm. with uh, uh, her mother-in-law to a mm-hmm. far-off country somewhere new, um, she sacrificed it all. And so this is Ruth, and Ruth it's, it is similar in that she's willing she's willing to, you know, take that step of marriage to Desmond, and Desmond not quite willing to do the same, as we see here. You left one week before the wedding. I can't do, I'm just trying to do Scottish. I'm not doing <laughs> But isn't this the most adorable Scottish accent, by the way? Just point that out. I I have to say when I was looking at when I was doing the weekly consultation of Lostpedia, um, yes, you know, uh, they someone updating that page was pretty savage because under the bloopers or like uh, mistakes section of this episode, they said the, the actress playing Ruth is clearly not actually Scottish, <laughs> like her accent is bad they were essentially saying and i was like oh man i thought she did she did fine (laughs) but i don't know someone was really upset i guess so i think it works because it you know even if it's a little a little exaggerated perhaps yeah i think it just kind of adds to the kind of the innocent feeling of going to you know it's like it's sort of uh he's walking into this situation where she you know it it is it's it's such a Mm -hmm you know, idyllic sort of thing. He was going to marry her. Everything was sweet and great, but he completely biffed it. Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think it works. Yeah, I do too. Definitely. 
So we get the story of why Desmond decided to become a monk. And it was that he was scared. So he got drunk. And then he looked for a way out. Uh, he, his, his fear of the reason he keeps calling himself a coward is he, he's afraid uh, that, you know, if he, if he marries someone, they're going to know all his flaws, basically. And he just, he, he needs to feel worthy to do it, basically, is mm -hmm. the idea here. Once again, I think we've already established that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also, it's interesting how Desmond tells the story in this scene. Um, and it, it feels very, like, you can see it from Desmond's vantage point on one level of, like, like what if this is the higher purpose for Desmond's mm -hmm. life? Like, he, he was meant to end up on that street seeing that monk and all of that. Um, just at that moment, you know, it's this very kind of almost, like, beautiful imagery. Um, you know, I, it says, I was supposed to go with him. I was supposed to leave everything that mattered behind, yes, sacrifice all it. of it for a greater calling, which I love the fact that they they gave us the previous scene, you know, with the discussion of sacrifice where Desmond didn't get it, didn't get the meaning of sacrifice. And then the guy says, maybe you don't understand what sacrifice is. And then we get this scene where to me, this is Desmond trying to figure out, oh, maybe I was actually sacrificing it all and that's the good thing i was doing where he like hears someone explain sacrifice uh -huh. and reads that back into his own actions when all he was actually doing was finding trying to find a way out mm -hmm. but and i think it raises what the point that you were making before kind of about how it's 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 presenting some ideas about religion and god and how he calls being a monk a greater calling than marriage um, mm. and looking at how the episode kind of views things and how Lost views things in general, it's not necessarily, look, it's not like um, an objective sort of view of these two things kind of in a vacuum, looking at it specifically in the show in the context of how the message of Lost, which really is you need other people you need to find your constant you need mm -hmm. it's other people over achievement basically is what we're talking mm -hmm. about here and desmond's thinking about the opposite way like okay i could marry this girl but a greater calling is to like be it like a man of god right like to actually have that that title of a monk and everything mm-hmm that outweighs it. But in the context of the show, it's like, but you're sacrificing actually that, that deep, the deepest relationship marriage for ambition. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea that Desmond can't quite wrap his head around. Yeah. I love Ruth's response after that, you know, if, well, it's a good thing a bloody shepherd didn't help you up. You know, like that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you'd be with the sheep and, and all that. Like just kind of seeing through 
they were together long enough where she knows Desmond pretty well, I would think, at this point, and knows that, like, I think this was just your way out. Um, and especially, like, her last line, you know, next time you want to break up with someone, don't join a monastery, just tell the girl you're too scared. You know, like, that whole mm-hmm. thing. I think that was just such a good line, especially for Desmond's whole storyline that we know that uh, he, one of his biggest flaws, you know, among other things we've said already, is that he, uh, he's afraid. You know that mm-hmm. that he's a coward in other people's eyes, um, and that sometimes that's the thing he's a he's afraid of becoming, like actually being a coward, uh, is is something he struggles with. So, yep. Yeah, the the point about him. If it was a shepherd, he would. If it shepherd, he'd be a shepherd. Yeah. Anything. It it doesn't necessarily matter. That, like a monk is a placeholder for Desmond. He's mm-hmm. always looking for something greater because he's too scared to actually be where he is. I think mm. and that's that's a profound statement about this episode. Makes some profound statements about the future as well, mm. especially in this next scene and on the island when. Because that's really an exploration of he's see, literally seeing the future, and now oh, he's yeah. he's kind of mm-hmm. trying to deal with that that anxiety, if you will, or that like, what do I do about the future? How do mm-hmm. I live in the present in light of the future? That's so uh, true. So this episode has a lot. Yeah. So I want to talk about this next scene then, where. Uh, does does he uh he gets a little uh tipsy on the uh the monk's uh the monk's wine? Yeah. Uh, it's a grand over I don't know the words. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he does either. But yeah. And poor brother Campbell's over there again, like, oh geez, what have I done? Um, oh Desmond, that's expensive wine. That's my brother Campbell impression. Oh Desmond. <laughs> i i love desmond's response when he talks about you know how expensive it is and stuff well it's just as well we've taken a vow of poverty (laughs) i love that and i do want to talk that that's a funny line but i also i like that line um in the context of this episode it's 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 just as well we've taken a vow of poverty then says desmond we've also taken a vow of charity says Mm -hmm. brother campbell which is pretty profound in in the context of Desmond, because I think a lot of what Desmond does in his life to try to be a great man is it's a vow of poverty and that he's, he's denying everything else. Mm. And like, look at how virtuous I am because I'm, you know, doing the silent thing as a monk or I'm joining the military or I'm, you know, Mm. I'm doing this race to, you know, get my on. I have such discipline, but Brother Campbell points out that you can't just go through life just, you know, keeping just to yourself and just blinders on basically like that. No, we've also taken, you have to actually, it's it, the virtuous thing is to give to others, is to actually, you know, interact with other people, Desmond. Mm, mm-hmm. And so Desmond's kind of like, oh, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I don't think he gets it, but at the same time. It's kind of profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
yeah, it's interesting because Desmond basically even here is misunderstanding um, and thinking that if I've heard the call, you know, like he says, but I, but I heard the call, you know, yeah, um, that 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 that's kind of all you need, you know, that like, oh, I know the thing I'm supposed to do, but the monk is right there saying, well, you actually have to follow through on it. You know, you actually have to do the thing you've been called to. Yeah. If that's to be what your, you know, actual calling is. <laughs> um, but clearly that's not working out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of like the idea of you thinking about like, uh, if we're going from a Christian perspective, like salvation of being a thing where it's like, okay, I pray the prayer. Now I'm saved. Mm-hmm. Um, when re- in reality, it's no, it's not just you get there and then you're there and you're just going to kind of coast, which is what Desmond, I think he's like, that's what he thought this would be. But brother mm-hmm. Campbell's pointing out that no, even here, just like it would be in marriage, kind of Desmond, you have to die to yourself daily is kind of the idea. And Desmond's sort of like, cause wait, what? No, I, I just, I heard the call. I've his excuse when he said, I think you're not cut out to be a monk is I've had, I've had a rough week. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's all about me basically. Like not about the people that you're, you're drinking this wine that was going to go to charity, that sort of thing. And uh, he's, that's why he's not cut out. He still doesn't understand. Like you have to kind of sacrifice yourself in order to truly live a virtuous life. Mm-hmm. And so Desmond says, you can't do that. I heard the call and brother Campbell's response. I love brother Campbell in this scene. Um, yeah. And I want to, I, I mean, we should mention the Easter egg that we see later oh, yeah. in the, on his desk, you know, they clearly planted it and clearly had the awkward shot because they wanted us to see, <laughs> Oh, Hey, yeah. this Photoshop photo of him and uh, Eloise from flash. Remember her? Oh, I guess they know each other. So maybe there's that whole idea of like, maybe he's a time cop too, but if he's a time cop, he's a much more uplifting time cop because his, mm-hmm. his lines here are so comforting and so optimistic where he's like, I'm sure you heard the call, but I'm sure this wasn't where you were meant to end up. God has something greater for you. Um, you just spent too much time running away to realize what you may be running toward, which is just a great, great line. Uh-huh. Uh, just such a, like, Desmond, the future doesn't have to be scary. It's full of opportunity. And I mm-hmm. think that's a great a great reminder Um just in life in general, Brother Campbell's mm-hmm. saying here. And it's really, it's such a cool line because we've heard that line before. That's what Desmond says to Penny when he's going to go on the race around the world where he says, it's not when, you know, he, uh, how does he say it? You know, oh, yeah, it's not what I'm running from. I know what I'm running to, you know, and to get my honor back, uh-huh. which it's, I love when there's a, when they do a flashback that's further back in time where you realize where the person got that original thought from or whatever, like the, the origin of that. Um, and this is one of those to me instances where like, 
that idea stayed with Desmond uh, and he used that as reasoning for where he was going later on, uh, which is interesting, but, um, and it's a, it's a much better way to think about, you know, this situation. Maybe, maybe you're going towards something that's better. Um, but then there, I love the, yeah, the brother Campbell's awesome. I love the, what am I supposed to do now? Whatever comes next. Whatever comes next. It's awesome. Which is a great response to what Desmond is going through on the island. Because I Mm -hmm. think Desmond is kind of consumed with what's supposed to happen there. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's like, you got to still live in the present, Desmond. You got to still, like, do whatever comes next. Be liberated and actually just live in the moment. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's like, go get married, Desmond, do that because getting married is, you know, in sickness and in health and good times and bad, you know, despite what all circumstances come, you know, still committing to another person. That's what, that's whatever comes next. It's like, Mm. it's a very optimistic and virtuous sort of way to view living. And, uh, I love that it, it comes right before the, you know, the next flashback with, Hey, look what comes next. Uh, yeah. And it's just such a, such a beautiful thing, I think. So I love the optimism there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that'll bring us to that next scene, but actually I think it's such a good scene, such a good moment. And it's kind of the, the pinnacle of the episode. So why don't we save that for the sweet end? So we'll have something to look forward to here. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. I think first we need to talk about the Island stuff, but before that, maybe we should, it's about time for us to take a break. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back with more. See you in another life brothers after this. Welcome back to See You in Another Life, Brothers. We're we're talking about Catch-22. We're talking about Desmond David Hume and the wild and wacky hijinks that seem to always befall this man. There's always (laughs) something going on in his life. It's got to be an interesting day-to-day for Desmond. Like, wake up, have a flash, seek Charlie die again, go save him. Cry yourself to sleep at night. Wake up. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you think about the course his life was on, you know, even before he started seeing flashbacks about his friend being brutally murdered over and over in front of him, <laughs> he's it's a pretty tragic character. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking about the other like when you watch the previously on before this, and you see like they remind you of the lightning thing. He saw him get struck by lightning, which that's got to be, that's, that's pretty traumatic. You, and you saw him drown, like, dang, and, man. And then you and get then, to see him with an arrow through the neck, right? Well, like, and then there was the one where he tried to catch the bird and he got like banged into the rocks over and over or whatever, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> like, geez, that's just, just brutal. This stuff of nightmares, like I'm saying, he cries to, cries himself to sleep at night, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably drinking a lot of that McCutcheon to try to <laughs> drown it out. Although I think they 
finish that thing off, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, I like how this episode, such a memorable opening with mm-hmm. suddenly just thrown right into the middle of things. You're like, okay, what's going on? And why are Charlie and Hurley talking about the Flash and Superman? And why is Jin here? And why are we trudging through the... What, what's going on? And just, I like it. Just dropping you right in there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this, this Flash opening. Flash opening, speaking of Flash. The Flash. By the way, who do you, who? Okay, let's get it on the record here. Who would win in a foot race, Superman or the Flash? Um, I feel like it's got to be the Flash, right? Yeah, I mean, I was trying to envision Superman running, and I'm like, that look, that's that's weird. I don't think I've ever seen Superman run. Oh, like, yeah, that's true. Think about that, and any, like any of the movies, I don't think he runs. He's, he it's can probably... fly. Why would you run if you can fly? Like, and it, I'm sure it's so much easier to animate Superman just gliding through the air really fast than running really fast, you know, but I don't know. It's but. especially weird with the cape. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, he's and, he's... and why would he if he can just fly? Exactly. So I think in the debate between Hurley and Charlie, actually, Hurley wins. I mean, Charlie wins, right? Because he was the one who was saying the fl- uh... who was saying the Flash. I think I think uh, Charlie was saying Superman. I think no, no, Wait. Hurley was saying Superman because he was saying it would be for charity and everything. So, mm-hmm. so Charlie's right about the Flash. Um, oh, boy, I'm looking at the transcript this. right now. Okay, give me give me the verdict. I feel bad. Uh, we should know all this stuff. We're lost experts here. Hurley was saying, or wait. Uh, dude, if we're going by a pure foot race, this is Hurley. Soups would get dusted by the Flash. Okay, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then ch- that's because then Charlie says, "Why would the Man of Steel agree to a sodding foot race?" Um, mm-hmm. and that whole thing. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, there we go. So, um, Hurley's right. What? Yeah. Where's the surprise in that? Hurley's the best. So yeah, I think that's all there really is to say about this opening. It's cool. Uh, we get we and then we see Charlie die, which is traumatic. Yeah. And then we get the flashes, and we come back, and we see Desmond there on the beach. And I like how uh, Henry Ian Cusack plays that moment because it's 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 similar as we see in the flashbacks to him kind of looking at the Bible and sort of struggling. Once again, he's he's struggling with like, okay, wait a second. And this is where the title of the episode comes in, Catch-22. It's clear. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see Penny. I also see Charlie dying. Does that mean I have to let Charlie die in order order for Penny to come? Otherwise, it'll change. Mm -hmm. And uh, that begins his conflict. It's interesting. I didn't notice this until the second time. You know, I watched this a couple times before discussing for this. But yeah. it wasn't until the second time I watched it when I made the connection that, so like, moving forward, Desmond explains to Hurley, you know, it's like I saw several puzzle pieces, you know, but if I change anything, then the picture on the box changes or whatever, you know, that whole thing. Um, I didn't realize that in these original flashes, Desmond sees 
not only Charlie dying, but he also sees Charlie after that with the like parachute catching like aiming to like catch the person. There's a quick flash of Charlie also doing that. Whoa. So I think that's part of it where it's like am I supposed to let him die? And then like will she be caught in a tree like she's dead? Yeah. Or you know like that whole thing. So he doesn't know which reality is supposed to happen. Um but he just sees all of these elements that don't quite go together in some way, I think, um, which is interesting. Like, I, I think there's, we, when we get to see behind the curtain of what the flashes look like, we realize, oh, they're more complicated than just a straightforward, this is what happens. Um, and it matters a lot to Desmond, obviously, because he wants Penny back. So I didn't even think about the fact that Charlie shows up that, you know, you don't pay much attention to the flashes. I kind of overlooked them, to be honest. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was flashes about what's happening. But, yeah, Charlie, I like, I really like that detail that Charlie is in that flash afterwards. Yeah. Which raises the ambiguity of what Desmond is supposed to do. And I mm-hmm. think it's, if you look at these flashes, it's the reason Desmond experiences them in the first place, like if we, we don't really talk about the Island or like Jacob or anything in relation to Desmond ever typically, because Desmond's sort of just this strange sci-fi figure. Mm -hmm. But when he, he went down into the middle of the Island and he, you know, turned the key and experienced like a, a rush of like the energy that is the Island, which apparently is, this big electromagnetic pulse thing that is the source of all goodness, like a waterfall. Mm-hmm. Eventually we find out it's, it's very much, but I think he's similar to Locke in that the Island has given him sort of a gift mm-hmm. in these flashbacks. And I think the Island is trying to help him because the Island gave John Locke his legs in order to try to, you know, heal him basically uh more than just his legs but to actually have him interact with people and to to get over his stuff for for Desmond here I think if you look at it that he sees Charlie in one dying in one and living in the other it's the island going Desmond do whatever comes next because his hmm. brother Campbell's putting it like we're not going to tell you what to do here buddy you you're seeing the future and you're going to have to live in the tension. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that that's kind of, that you could look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of this episode is Desmond struggling <laughs> to understand what he is supposed to do. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting storyline for that reason that it's like, it's never totally clear. And then even the ending, you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity here, especially when you consider it and compare it to like the Abraham story, which we eventually do. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's move through the narrative here as we continue on. Desmond decides right away that he's going to pursue this because anything with Penny, that's what he wants more than anything in the world. As he puts it to, mm-hmm. Hurley, uh, he says he wants 
Hurley's like, well, you don't want to stop it. You want it to happen more than anything. Um, and that's, that's just how it is. Uh, I think the only other thing I'll say about these early scenes, I, the scene with Jack where he gets the, uh, first aid kit. Just, I like the fact that he mentions I've taped my share of ankles. Oh yeah. Desmond's like, and Jack's like, oh yeah, you're right. I love that. The reminder of that little connection they had where Desmond actually helped Jack with moving toward what's next. And so we're we're reminded of what Desmond can be there. So that's what I'll say about that. There is good, there is virtue in this man. He just needs to get over himself basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I also just love the humor of uh, something wrong, Hurley. Yeah. Uh, Just keeping Desmond here company because we're friends. (laughs) It's amazing. And that transitions perfectly into the heart and soul of this episode. The greatest part, uh, as always, in a lost episode, whenever this man shows up, Jin. Yeah. <laughs> Hurley and Jin. It's it's a, the, the, the fantastic group. It's Desmond, Hurley, Jin, and Charlie hanging out together. But I especially love the fact that Jin is just so excited to go camping. Like, there's just something so pure about this. Like, Jin needs to come along, too. Why does he need to come along? There's really no point to Jin in coming along other than the fact that, <laughs> hey, he gets to actually, you know, be with his friends. And I think that there's mm-hmm. something to that. Like, hey, we're going to go camping together. We're going to have fun. And uh, we're going to live together, right? So I, I just love that. Yeah. there's Yeah, there's something so perfect about um, watch the master at work, you know, and yeah, then yeah, yeah, yeah. cut to camping, you know, <laughs> camping, genius, camping. camping. Yes, it's so good. Uh, and then Desmond convinces Charlie to come along by saying, "Well, that's not going to happen. Not this time." Basically, to the idea of Charlie dying, uh, and it it raises that ambiguity of. Desmond, like Desmond's motivation throughout here, it's, it's it's so back and forth. Like, is he going to let him die or is he not going to let him die? Mm-hmm. Is he thinking in that? I think in that moment, it's like it, it it's compares to the Abraham story. Like Desmond yeah. has faith that something else will happen, kind of, or he's willing himself into believing that, even though at the same mm-hmm. time, he's like, I might just be signing this guy's death warrant. So once again just such tension Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i love the parallel of abraham with like the whole just journey of like you know the the nerves and like well i i have to bring him along because that's what's supposed to happen and stuff (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's good so he gets his foursome the 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 crew is all together and they head out and I love the whistling scene. Yes, it's so good. I'm not going to whistle because it'll, it won't sound good in the mic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, just so good. Uh, and uh, and then they find the wire. And I love that um, Jin, once they find the wire and 
Desmond's like, okay, this is the first step. We need to stay here because I think I know what's next. And we camp here tonight. And then Jin's like, camp. Like he is <laughs> so freaking amped to go, just go camping, go hard. So freaking good. Yeah. There, yeah. It's, it's one of those perfect, again, Hurley. This isn't even a B story, but it's like the side plot to the A story. Uh, yeah. And I I love it. Hurley and Jin and uh, Charlie are so good at all of that stuff. It's it's just perfect. And then Jin proceeds to tell the scariest freaking story I have ever heard. Uh huh. This thing, I mean, so freaking scary. I mean, bro, it's so scary. His hand was- came off at the end. There was a oh I don't have it with me um but on uh, on Lostpedia they have like the rough translation of what the story <laughs> was <laughs> That's good um and but it and it makes sense it's like about a man with like a hook for a hand or something uh-huh. you know and it, and then uh the reveal when it's like oh but I am the guy or whatever <laughs> you know it's <laughs> I wish I had it in front of me, but it was so, it's so funny. They have that. So, mm-hmm. and Charlie pl- and playing the creepy music beside yes. it and Hurley <laughs> just being so into it. It's just so good. So good. Daniel Day Kim is amazing in this episode. <laughs> he is He's just the best. And then I love how Hurley starts telling the, about the chupacabra afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I want the deleted scenes of this. I just want more of just the, them camping. Uh, just keep it going, man. You good. can tell they were having fun doing this, I'm sure. I'm sure. But then we're interrupted once again by, oh, okay, we got to deal with Desmond's drama. Um, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we we get the line, how did you manage to leave her behind and come here, says Charlie, because I'm a coward. Um and once again, Desmond Desmond has actually admitted it here. He's come a ways mm-hmm. from where he was with uh, with Ruth, where he was still trying to justify it. And, at the, and, and I love that 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 shows that he the growth of where he's at mm-hmm. now, where he he realizes he's a coward. But the fact, as he points out in the scene, that he he's like, I've I've spent the last three years thinking that maybe she. Like she says, you know, with enough time and money, you can find anyone. I've that's kept me going. Like the fact that she, even though I've given, I had given up, kind of. Mm-hmm. I, or I mean, I I'd abandoned her. She hasn't abandoned me, and I think that that's spurring him on to actually, you know, go toward what's most important now. And so I like that that growth there, reflected mm-hmm. in those lines. Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost like he's found, um, instead of feeling like he needs to muscle his way towards, you know, like a purpose for his life, um, instead he has resolved to to hoping, you know, to finding something to hope in um, rather than feeling like I just have to be the be the hero of my own story and all this stuff uh, and, and figure out all these things, even when he's like casting other people aside to do it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. He's looking outside himself at this point. He's looking to Penny. Um, 
as opposed to running away from her to try to earn Penny. I think that mm-hmm. there's there's that kind of idea here. But of course, they're having this heart to heart, and then they're interrupted by, "Hey, wait a second, that's a freaking helicopter! What the? What the? And what are you doing? What are you?" But okay, so I love I love the creators of Lost, and you know, and I think they do a great job with like developing everything, the story, and all this. I don't think they they this is a really big kind of plot error error <laughs> the fact that that helicopter crashes in the water yes right because as we see in season four they still have a helicopter and their helicopter pilot is still alive do they have two helicopters on the freighter are we going to justify that... it that way <laughs> and, that's what and i Lapidus, was wondering lapidus managed to swim back to the the freighter I think we're just gonna we're just gonna let this one slide because this doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> and why would they? To, why? Yeah, we need to remember this and see if they explain it, acknowledge it at all later. Because that was my thought exactly watching this scene. Like, wait, those sound effects sound like a crash, yeah. right? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why would they have the helicopter come with just Naomi on it too? And none of the other like wouldn't they want to bring everyone to well i guess i don't know yeah maybe they do explain it in season four <laughs> but that was like the thing i'm like oh wow that's a big because I, I i think they didn't really know exactly what they were going to do yet um before when they were doing this one so that's i'll i'll forgive them for it <laughs> but it's just oh, yeah like, wait what what it is also one of the <laughs> one of those moments where it's like totally don't fault him for it it's just something that's funny um one of those moments where it's like we didn't have the budget to show a helicopter crashing that too (laughs) you know just the whole looking out into the night and then like hearing sound effects and everyone's just kind of looking around like oh what's going on (laughs) that too it's just kind of funny we're dealing with a season three budget here buddy this isn't season one stuff we're doing here. They season used three. the CGI budget on that amazing plane that, crash opening. <laughs> and that polar bear from further instructions. Oh, yeah. You can't forget about that. That thing was horrible. They they put it all in that. <laughs> oh, man. So, Desmond's all gung-ho. We have to go all four of us now. and Because that's what's, once again, supposed to happen. And Charlie manages to convince him to stop because you still need your sacrifice, Desmond. You can't just go without the sacrifice, basically. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. So that brings us to some scenes of wandering through the jungle, kind of building up to where we get to. And... I think the thing to really say about this next scene for me is Desmond, when he says, look, mate, like Charlie's like, why are you lying to me, mate? And Desmond says, look, mate, I've saved your life three times now. If that hasn't bought me your trust by now, I don't know what will. It's Desmond sort of looking at his status as savior and kind of 
Like, is that like maybe taking a little pride in that kind of here? It, there's mm-hmm. there's an ambiguity on the island versus you know the flashbacks where the flashbacks it's clear that Desmond being a monk is trying to force something where his path is actually supposed to be somewhere else. Here it's like, is he supposed to let Charlie die? Or is he mm-hmm. supposed to save him? And I think that that's, what's, that's why Desmond is so, obviously so irritated, but he's lash, lashing to it here like, I don't want to do this, man. I don't want to keep saving your life, but heck, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm angry about it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just leave me alone and let me bemoan the fact that if I save you, I probably won't get Penny. Uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of what he's what's got what's going on through his head right now yeah yeah as he's going through kind of the moral dilemma of like it, can i can i sacrifice charlie or you know do i need to sacrifice you know like all of those questions um i feel like uh on the island for desmond in this episode it's not a very fun experience watching Desmond be like, I love Desmond, but in this episode, I feel like he is just conflicted and frustrated and irritated because he doesn't know what to do. Yes. And that is so understandable. Um, but it's just like, Oh man, I, it's, this is such a bummer for Desmond. <laughs> a lot of this episode, cause he doesn't know what he's supposed to do at all. Because sometimes that's life. Sometimes, yeah. It is a catch-22. It's like, you're darned if you do, you're darned if you don't. Um, and just when you're thinking, like like right here, I like this scene because right here he's saying, I've saved your life three times now. He's 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 building up his, like, okay, I guess I am still the savior. Like, I'm a begrudging savior to this guy. Mm-hmm. And then, right then, of course, they stop and there's the book with his photo in it. Like, oh, yeah. frick. This means it's really her. And so I think he, he's jumping back again, as we see in the next scene where um, Charlie's like, why would you want to change anything? And Desmond's like, right. Like, because I know at this point, like, this is clearly Penny. It's like, how could it not be Penny? Who else would have that photo? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's he's back to being uh, all for Penny as, as opposed to all for Charlie. Uh, it's a catch-22, man. Mm-hmm. aptly named episode oh yeah it's a perfect perfect title um the other thing i just want to mention about this scene before moving on is when they get the the satellite phone yeah you know, and they find all this stuff um two things uh there's a couple moments in this episode where Jin knows too much vocabulary in english like palette and walkie-talkie oh yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Come on. I mean, I I get it, but you know. Um, but then the other thing is a blooper that I saw on online and everything that people pointed out was when when Hurley takes the satellite phone, is like it's a satellite phone or whatever, and they do like a close up shot of the phone with the touch screen and stuff, the hands that are holding that phone <laughs> are so clearly not Jorge Garcia's <laughs> that it's like actually notice. unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Like, it is really, really funny <laughs> when you watch it. I gotta go back and watch. That's great. That's Just fantastic. watch that moment because it's really bad. 
Like, obviously, they didn't film, like, a close-up when they were filming it and stuff, and they were like, oh, we need a B-reel of, you know, just hands holding that phone. Hmm. That's good. But I want to go back to your previous point. I think you underestimate Sun's ability to teach him English, man. Okay. Sun's a pretty good teacher. Okay. She, language lessons, right? You remember? Ice tea. Ice tea. Well, that was when she was That's, learning, but still. Yeah. I bet she did that with him. I would like an iced tea, please. Um, I'm sure she did. And so I'm sure she taught him other random phrases like walkie-talkie and stuff. So And palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, palate. Yeah. That's one of the first vocab words any English speaker should learn. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you uh, you owe Sun an apology right now. I'm sorry. Okay. But, yeah. Public apology. I apologize. Okay. Still seems kind of still seems kind of funny to me but whatever yeah i can tell you don't mean it whatever (laughs) anyway (laughs) all right i won't make you apologize to a fictional character yet you're gonna write a written apology after this and send it to the actress (laughs) (laughs) send it to i'm sorry for what i said on our podcast (laughs) and jin kim send it to her uh anyway so yeah they're keep they walk through the jungle desmond has the conversation with Charlie, like, if I told you, we, would you have come? Of course you would come. Of course I would have come. Why would I want to change it? Why would you want to change anything? Desmond's kind of starting to think, yeah, 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 maybe I will. Maybe I won't let you. Maybe I will let you die. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie starts looking like it's, I don't know why I'm thinking like it's on a desert island. He starts to look like a steak or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so that brings us to the moment where suddenly they start talking about Superman and the Flash again. Mm -hmm. And suddenly Desmond, everything that's been theoretical to this point, I love it because you can, you can sense like, this is what happens when you're living in the future. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly the, the present, like the thing you were worrying about just comes right at you. Like, and now Mm -hmm. you have no time. Like he's been stewing over it and suddenly in the moment, there's no more time to deliberate. You just have to act. And Desmond does what Desmond does. He can't, he, he operates and he can't go contrary to himself. I still have to save this guy. I just have to do it. Um, there's nothing theoretical about that. And yeah, he, he saves. I think that that speaks volumes about who he is. It is. It is uh, crazy, though, like the the idea of the way they film the scene is so effective where this time, because he's looking for it, he's able to spot the arrow early and he could even prevent Charlie from stepping where he's about to step. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's there's these moments where he could do something, but he waits until the very last second because he's he doesn't know he doesn't know what what will happen if he saves Charlie's life. Um, And so it's such a close call. And I love the kind of ironic or just kind of poetic, I don't know, uh, idea that he saves him and the arrow goes instead of into Charlie's neck, it goes into the neck of his guitar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've always thought that was just a funny choice that like, Oh, it destroys the neck of his guitar instead. Yeah, that poor guitar. Uh, uh, that's the real tragedy here, because De- Charlie doesn't have a guitar anymore now. <laughs> it's like yeah, 
it's it's over it's done mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have let him bring his guitar but yeah that's hindsight. that was the substitute though that's the thing that got shot instead of him so <laughs> that's what gets sacrificed yep and so that brings us to the next scene with charlie and desmond of course charlie's like i'm gonna go with desmond i'm not going with you guys because i don't want to die <laughs> no that's i don't blame him and also i've got a little bit of a bone to pick with this guy who <laughs> almost too. just let me die <laughs> that too yeah i mean i mean charlie you had to know come on all his flashback all his flashes have been about you dying what are the odds one's not i mean come on come on you had to know yeah but anyway so this conversation between the two of them i think is very fascinating when you think about like the Abraham connection in because I think it's really obviously it's explicitly stated here by Desmond but it's kind of comparing Charlie and Desmond to Isaac and Abraham and Charlie's perspective Mm -hmm. on the whole thing like you thought the only way you could get your girl back was if I took an arrow through the head you could have sacrificed me and Desmond saying, I was supposed to let you die, Charlie. It's all pointless. I keep saving your life, but what good have, What good has it done? It's going to keep happening again and again. Maybe that's the point, huh? Maybe it's a test. Like God tested Abraham, except I failed because I changed what I saw. I'm mm-hmm. kind of struggling with the point this is making about comparing Desmond and Charlie to Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. Um, like he, he thinks he failed because he changed the conclusion. Abraham didn't fail because, and I, I, I think this is also, you could kind of read into this, like Desmond never finished the story of Abraham's testing. <laughs> like, right. He got to the end. I think he thought, okay, well clearly God wanted him to sacrifice his son. So he did. And that's, that's the point of sacrifice. Like, you do mm-hmm. you do the thing to please God so that you can be a good person, but you can't ever get what you want. Maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of the point here. And I think that that's significant because Desmond's just thinking, okay, fine. That's that's it. Sacrifice is just I'm gonna be a great person. I'm always gonna be always gonna be doing the things to make myself a great man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm never going to be happy. And that's, that's what sacrifice is all about. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point of God with Abraham. Abraham went, was going to go through with it, but God showed himself to be merciful. And that's mm-hmm. the good news of sacrifice. It's like you, you, when you sacrifice the thing that you think is most important, you actually re- realize that the benevolent creator of the universe is greater Mm-hmm. And so, but Desmond can't see that light at the end of the tunnel here still. He's still thinking that sacrifice is just a pointless game of it, uh, never being happy, maybe. It does feel like Desmond's flashes are like a product of, of yeah, like you were saying earlier, they're a consequence of him turning the key uh, and... Uh, saving the island so now it's a consequence of 
whatever happens with the island it's it's something connected to the island and its mysterious forces and stuff and that's different from god um and so when he gets these flashes it's not the same as god saying to abraham you know do this uh or you know you know like giving a test instead it's this completely different thing and desmond i think almost fell into the same mistake that someone else we know uh on the island fell into of saying yeah um this was a sacrifice that Mm. the island demanded (laughs) you Mm. know what i mean like a yeah a just kind of a uh a failure to understand or like almost a failure because you're looking for meaning in something that uh there is not meaning in there's there's this randomness about uh these events happening um and uh and at the same time i think it's interesting like i said earlier that you could see in the flashes charlie alive holding the parachute for someone to land and Desmond hadn't experienced that yet when they started talking about Superman and everything, mm-hmm. which tells me his flashes gave him also the possibility of a future where he saves Charlie. Mm-hmm. And that was a possible thing, you know, uh, but he was so focused on maybe getting Penny back that he just assumed, well, maybe sacrifice is the answer to this. So yeah i this is a really it feels like a straightforward parallel on its face but there's so much that you could like (laughs) dig into about like what does it mean um that i feel like i haven't fully grasped yet you know the everything that they're talking about here and, and fate and chance and free will and all of those things that play into this episode too so Mm -hmm. yeah i think Desmond sees this as sort of like a just a, a game. Just mm-hmm. he, and I think I want to bring in flashes before your eyes because clearly that had, had, had this is where it all started, and mm-hmm. Eloise's points about how that man was supposed to die, that yeah. and you're supposed to go to the island. And it's such a and it's such a like a I'll, I'll use the word like sterile sort of like a like cold scientific blunt mm-hmm. facts that she presents to him in contrast to what brother Campbell presents to him which is kind of a, a hopeful and vibrant sort of view of this thing but right here he's taking that view of like okay this is just a game that I can't win uh, mm-hmm. I failed I've kept you alive and now inevitably, what he thinks is and what he sees is happening right after that, when he hears Jin yelling from the jungle and he comes out and he sees the body hanging there. And he's like, I saved Charlie. And that means that Penny died. Basically mm-hmm. is kind of what he's thinking right there. Like there, there's no point to any of it. It's just a nihilistic sort of again and again, the cr- it's, it's a cruel, cruel, um, 
higher power if it's god or if it's the island or whatever it's like desmond just thinks that that's how it is basically mm-hmm. and that's where we are at this point like i think that's the main point to take it's still it's a little confusing yeah. as far as comparing it to abraham and isaac and comparing all that but i think that's the main thing that makes the next moments so kind of powerful both i think i love how this the, the scene the final scene mm-hmm. pairs the flashback with the island um because you could say that you could feel like they're kind of disconnected. One is obviously this amazing moment where he meets Penny, and the other mm-hmm. is bringing this woman down from a tree and finding out it's not Penny. But right. I think both of them are examples of mercy. Mm. Um. So I don't know. Did you have anything else before we dive into these last two scenes? These these parallel scenes here. I don't think so. I think. Yeah, I think we've we've covered it. Yeah, I'm excited to get to these last scenes, though. So let's talk about Desmond and Penny. Because I, I love here, when we look at the flashbacks, Desmond thinks he's failed his mission. He's failed what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. His, he was going to be a monk, and that was going to be it. That's that's what he's... And his he fails. And so what's left to do... Brother Campbell, I love that you know we see, get the scene with them in the in the office, and you can tell that there's such a he he really does like Brother Campbell, and he really because he's mm-hmm. like I was afraid you didn't say goodbye and everything. He's had a good influence on him. Like he still kind of maybe has a little optimism. Strangely, mm-hmm. like he's like, and I love if you kind of look at Brother Campbell as a time cop, sort of that perspective. Like he has one step out, and he's like. You, hey, you need to help with some of the boxes. Like he's uh-huh. setting this up uh, because he knows what's next. Desmond, you need to know what's next. So there's a little bit of strange optimism heading into this last moment. Mm-hmm. I also think there's something so cool about, and this is where you know at the beginning I was saying I feel like this is the most spiritual mm-hmm. episode for Desmond. There's something cool about. I genuinely think. You know, I don't know about the whole, like, I think it's cool, like, the the whole Eloise connection and, like, is he also, like, a time cop and everything? But even without that, if that is not relevant at all, in this episode by itself, Brother Campbell is just a guy who firmly believes that God brought Desmond here so that he might... Uh, go on to whatever is next yeah. like like he thinks that this has not been wasted time that this is just not the place he's supposed to end up and so he's supposed to go somewhere else and i feel like his optimism is also that he just believes that god has something in store for desmond um, but it wasn't to stay here um and that's why i feel like this scene feels like the most <laughs> one of the most like spiritual endings of lost where it's like, Oh, this is what God had intended, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that feels like the trajectory of how the story is told in this episode, which I feel like I'd never noticed before, but it's like, Oh my gosh, it feels like that's the story they're telling, <laughs> which is just funny. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a uplifting moment because, yeah. you know, suddenly Desmond sees Penny 
and it and the message is to me anyway is that it doesn't matter how much you think you've messed up your path like mm. like where you're going in life it doesn't matter because god or you know god is bigger than that and he can mm. use any path you're on which mm-hmm. is such a great truth mm-hmm. and so the mercy of it is like hey desmond you think you screwed up here's a new opportunity a new start a new grace here's yeah here's what it is and i i love the the dialogue between them is great um yeah and desmond's line i was told under no uncertain terms that the abbey isn't where i was meant to end up a step along a path you know god allegedly has bigger plans for me sort of like scoffing at it and penny going the irony of it's just so brilliant like and Penny's something tells me you don't believe that it seems like you don't believe that I don't it's because I don't but mm-hmm. right then and there here's the new path Desmond so and and just the whole the whole scene is just so perfect because you understand why she likes him like yeah he this is Desmond that he's he's charming he's he's just a good guy and why he likes her and it's just such a it's it's well done in that way too like a great first meeting scene that makes you like these this couple that we've barely seen together at all but mm-hmm. one of the most compelling couples in all of lost even more too so mm-hmm. it's just a phenomenal scene it's also great because i feel like these two actors uh you know have such good chemistry with each other where it's like immediately this scene happens and you believe that they fall in love you know what i mean like you believe or like at least in this scene you believe that they have a connection right away um and i think that's like really impressive i love yeah i love all the dialogue i love the line (laughs) i love the line where he says you know i was fired last Mm -hmm. night or whatever and she laughs and he's like, oh, it wasn't that funny. <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm sorry. I didn't think that was real, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just, it's just a really, really great scene. And it, it's the, it's the strange mercy of being able to laugh at something that just yesterday was the end of the world for you too. Like what you're saying there, yeah. like Desmond, I got fired as a monk. Everything's over. You can't do that. But now he's able to laugh at it and say, well, I'm moving on. Uh, so there's mercy new each day. Um, and I think the parallel, which is strange, the fact that they run this next right next to, and they're kind of, at first you're thinking, well, this is kind of morbid. We're seeing the very first scene with Penny, and then perhaps mm-hmm. we're seeing her them cut down her lifeless body. Right. <laughs> And I think that plays into that this scene is also strange mercy in that, you know, they cut her down and Desmond's like, I'm sorry, Penny. I've, I messed mm-hmm. up. I shouldn't have saved Charlie. I should have, I, I should have gone for you. And he thinks he's, he's too far messed up his path. And then, Oh, Hey, it's a different, different girl. Penny's still fine. Woo. You know, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's, and it's the typical lost i mean it sets up typical lost ending like what the what but Uh it's mercy in that hey you know you thought you screwed up your path but 
she knows who you are and maybe there's still hope that you'll find penny too mm-hmm. so same way yeah yeah well and i i think it's kind of cool i was just looking at the transcript online from the episode it's kind of cool the parallel between um what's happening on the island and what's happening off you know in the flashback where he says um you know i don't usually get into cars with strangers well in that case i'm penelope you know and then on the island he thinks it's penny but it's actually a stranger which is kind of cool you know that's cool um there's and this was the other thing that i was saying i don't know i don't remember if it was before we started recording or not but that there's there's some interesting um themes from the abraham isaac story that they i don't know if this was one of the intentional things or not but i thought it was interesting that in the abraham isaac story that you know the turning point the surprise ending is that there is a substitute uh, in place of Isaac, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought it was interesting that the episode ends with the surprise of, oh, this isn't the person that we thought, you know? Mm-hmm. This isn't the person that we were expecting to find at the end of the whole thing. It's a substitute. Um, obviously, it's completely different, you know, from from that context. But um, I just thought that was kind of a funny uh, parallel as well, so... Yeah, that's great. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's, yeah, the island provided a substitute, if you will. Uh-huh. God himself provided the ram. Uh, uh-huh. This is not Penny. Um, and uh, that's, in a weird way, good news, even though now we got, who the heck is this? And what are we going to do with her? And what the heck? Uh, <laughs> I like how they pan <laughs> when to the other three of them with Charlie, Jin, and then to Hurley, and Hurley, the look on Jorge Garcia's face is perfect. Like just, just going. Of course, here we go again. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> I've always more crazy. I've always felt like the the reveal shot of of Naomi's face is just a little too close. Yeah, it's very close. Have you? <laughs> I don't know why. That's always just kind of bothered me. Of like, we are as close as can be to her face when they pull off that mask. And it's like, I just feel, I almost feel bad for the actress. Like your, your big reveal on this giant network, you know, series is like the closest shot you've ever seen of someone's face. I mean, we can see all up her nose. <laughs> Pretty we can much. see all that's going up in there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not like it's a bad, you know, she doesn't look bad or anything. It's just like, like, oh man, they, we are right there. It was definitely a choice. It's a choice on the part of the director. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess we're going to have to find out who this lady is uh, and what's going to happen next. I, I don't know. But uh, all I know is, man, great Desmond episode once again. In the pantheon of Desmond episodes, Catch-22 is kind of underrated because it's, like I said, mm-hmm. it's the most normal, but it's also just a, such an optimistic Desmond episode. And I think that that makes it kind of superior as far as, I mean, mm. flashes before your eyes is kind of a downer ultimately. Cause it's, it's like a tragedy. Yeah. It's a tragedy. And same kind of goes for the live together, die alone. I mean, the constant mm. is optimate is the, is the best Desmond uh. episode. 
it's yeah, it's, op- it's optimistic fine. to the max, but this one might be a close second as far mm-hmm. as joyful Desmond episodes. So I'm just gonna say it. There's not a bad Desmond episode. Nope. They're all great. They're all great. Yep. Dude's batting a thousand. Good for him. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that closes the book on our good friend Desmond and this episode. Oh wait. There's there's a there's other storyline in here, like Kate, Kate and Sawyer and Love Triangle stuff. I was about to say, yeah, let's let's discuss whatever it is, as long as it's not a love triangle or anything. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah, we have to talk about this. Um, yeah. So, but you know, why don't we take a break first, and we can prepare ourselves and get back into love triangle drama. Uh, but we'll be right back with more Seeing in the Life Brothers after this. Welcome back to Seeing in the Life Brothers, the thrilling conclusion of Catch-22. Not what you were thinking, like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we we kind of glossed over the sea story in this episode, which is Kate and Sawyer and Jack and Juliet and oh boy... These lovebirds. Oh, man. Can you say drama? I know there's I know there's a big part of the fan base who cares about this storyline a lot, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I don't mean to be so negative going right into it, but... Yeah. Well, let's, let's dissect this. So, there's a few things to say about this. First is that Sawyer... Um, Sawyer is showing quite a bit of maturity here, even though at the same time he's uh, barging in on Kate. Uh, she's she needs her privacy, man. What you doing? Yeah. I mean, come on. But I mean, at the same time, he's all googly over her. So can you blame him? But he's he's got some immaturity right off the bat, yes, and yes. then some maturity, definitely. Because he wants to make sure that Jack knows about them before they keep being you know actually in like a relationship that's kind of that's pretty that's mature right well it's also funny because i feel like this is weird from where they were at before like it feels like sawyer just suddenly assumes like all right so we're good right yeah that's true (laughs) and and i feel like that was not clear (laughs) previously but whatever well, I think uh, it speaks to the fact that they've been gone for a little bit and they're coming back and, and Sawyer's gone through a little bit of stuff here where he's, you know, he's had Hurley mentoring him a little bit to be a leader. Oh, yeah. And I think he, he's trying to make it happen. Like he's trying to actually, you know, let's let's do this the right way. Let's be healthy, Kate. Let's mm-hmm. let's go for it. And Kate is uh, in typical Kate place where she's like, uh, I'm going to run away and go back to Jack. <laughs> You know, that's, that's just how she rolls. Like this is getting, it's, it's like, um, uh, I know there's a reference I can, I can, it's the typical thing. Like, oh, this is getting to feel too much like a relationship. I got to get out of here. I got to go. This is, this oh, yeah. is too safe. I got to, I got to uh, make something happen. So, and then she goes to Jack in the next scene where the oatmeal apparently is incredible. Mm-hmm. And they have this conversation. You can tell that Kate, she really 
like she's trying to have that ah gosh golly sort of virtuous relationship now with Jack. Like mm-hmm. it's like what Sawyer was doing, except now she because she really wants to make that work because he's the hero. And I think the line I I I didn't take many notes on this whole thing mm-hmm. throughout like the first couple times I viewed this, but the last time the line where Kate's talking about it's weird, right? Not having anywhere to run, not, not having any adventures. I almost don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. It's sort of that she can't handle being idle and can't, you know, like like real life. It's sort of like Desmond in that he can't, he needs to go off and make it and build himself up, basically. She feels like mm-hmm. she needs, she needs heroism in her life mm. she needs jack who is the hero so it's sort of like her desire for him is kind of meshed with her desire to make to be greater than she is basically right. and so that's why she's trying to you know cozy up to him basically her mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like that parallel with with desmond's kind of uh bent towards you know he's needing to find something that gives him meaning and everything um i also i have to say you know i was negative right off the bat about this the c story but i actually really love this scene Hmm. (laughs) um like this whole like in the kitchen scene because um it's one of those rare scenes where it feels like like if lost wasn't a big sci-fi crazy drama, you know, like, mm-hmm. like all of these fantastical elements to the storyline. If lost was just a drama about people surviving a plane crash and being on an Island together, there would be a bunch of scenes like this, you know, where it's just like, Oh, this is just everyday life. You know, we've survived this crazy thing and this is what we're doing. And I just think it's cool that in the middle of this kind of, big dramatic episode there's this scene of jack and kate talking like normal people Mm -hmm. in in the kitchen (laughs) you know the makeshift kitchen made out of bamboo and sticks and parts of a plane and stuff um and i just thought it was cool that like they acknowledge like oh yeah they have to like use the ocean water to you know clean their plates or whatever you know like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff and um uh uh what what do they normally eat you know like oh they've got some dharma oatmeal or whatever i don't know i just thought it was kind of cool for all those elements too and um and trying to maintain friendships or relationships uh even amidst all of the craziness like that's an important plot point that um kate cares about what jack thinks of her in this moment and jack walks away and has dinner with another woman (laughs) yeah um yeah it's it it is a cool scene so yeah it's a great dialogue between the two of them and and on the other side matthew fox his whole perspective on all this just he's completely detached you feel it like he's Mm -hmm. he's living in another world right now because he's seen in juliet like he says she's one of us because she wants off this island just as bad as he does Mm. And that's all he cares about at this point. Like mm-hmm. he can't, he can't see Kate right now. Basically, I mean, they're being cordial, but there's nothing further. 
And so Kate, like you're saying, sees Jack with Juliet, and then it makes her go to Sawyer. And this, when she comes to the tent, the significance of her saying, shut up and don't talk. And mm-hmm. him asking, are you crying? And she said, I said, shut up. She doesn't want him to talk. She's just talked with Jack. She she doesn't want him to talk because right. Kate is still on that, like, the, the overall arching problem with Kate is that she feels like there's no middle ground between the two poles. Like, you're either virtuous or you're vicious. And Sawyer, she can't see any path where Sawyer is anything beyond Wayne. Like... So she doesn't want to he she doesn't want him to try to be like he's trying to have a moment where he's like, You crying? Can do you need to talk or something? And she's like, I that's not you. Let's just let's just do this thing, mm. basically. Mm-hmm. Um and there's that idea of she thinks that all Sawyer is good for is the physical element of it, which is divorced from what she wants the whole package with Jack. So right. she's just like, I want, I want it all. And so I'm just going to take from Sawyer what I can't get from Jack. And it's just not a healthy place that Kate's in right now. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. You know, let's just sum it up there. <laughs> yeah. She's going through some stuff. Going through some stuff. And Sawyer's not going to complain, I guess. But at the same time, <laughs> I love this next scene. I love the fact that Sawyer approaches jack yeah there's something that there's something about that like this would not have happened i mean they played poker together but that was sort of you know jack kind of butting his way in there mm-hmm. but sawyer wants to play with jack now because i think he 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 got that idea from hurley you're the leader you're gonna you could be the leader and he wants to interact with the leader kind of mm-hmm. like you get that sense there so that's sort of cool mm-hmm. yeah i i feel like even though he arrives at some information that's important for him through this conversation with Jack, I don't get the feeling from this scene and everything that that was his motive for this, you know, like inquiring from Jack, you know, like what's going on with Kate, Um, which is really cool. Yeah. I feel like it's just him being like, like, Hey, I should ask Jack to play ping pong, (laughs) you know, and it's just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. and we should acknowledge also this moment uh the one of the most best lines of the episode you two arguing about who's your favorite other uh, i i was about to say we can't forget about that that's no, great we can't. That's, that's, <laughs> i love that line fantastic um but yeah they, they get to play ping pong together and sawyer's actually beating jack but i love how sawyer you know he's a sharp man he's He's the confidence man. He he pieces it together pretty quickly. What's going on with Kate here? You can just they play it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, Sawyer knows now that Kate was just using him, right? Right. And he still pursues her. He still goes and gets the best of Phil Collins and steals it from <laughs> Bernard, which is a horrible crime. One of the worst crimes of the whole show. Yeah. I mean, Bernard needs his Phil Collins, even though I, I doubt he can play it. I mean, still. Poor guy. Yeah. 
we haven't even seen Bernard like since like season two. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> What's he been up to? Um, <laughs> but the the fact that Sawyer goes after her and then says, "Why'd you jump me last night?" Is it because you saw the doc hanging out with Juliet and Kate defiant? It's not like that. And Sawyer says, "You ain't got to use me, Freckles. All you got to do is ask." Which is Sawyer basically saying, hey, I, I'm, I really actually do want to do this. Like, I mm-hmm. really do want to have a relationship, like, beyond mm-hmm. just what we've been doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to talk. We can actually talk, you know, too. Like, I, I and I think it, it, it kind of does strike Kate a little bit, maybe. Like as he's walking away, sort of, this guy's kind of changing. He seems a little bit more mature than he used to be. So that's kind of the long and short of it. I don't know if you had anything else with this scene. Mm-hmm. No, I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was cool that Sawyer. Yeah, like even his trajectory, kind of in this episode, from a little bit of immaturity to by the end, being able to say like, like, hey, you know, if like you don't need to um hide your intentions or anything and like uh yeah i don't know like it it goes from that to to some maturity by the end of it which is cool um and yeah there's it's a complicated situation between yes. these four characters <laughs> you know with with juliet added into the mix and stuff too and um yeah, it's interesting to have have an episode that has kind of the storyline devoted to what's going on with these these uh uh romantic kind of interests and stuff. Um Yeah. Mhm. And maybe it it sort of ties into Catch 22 in that Sawyer's basically saying it doesn't have to be you stuck you stuck between two poles like you're darned if you want to go after Jack and you're darned, if you want to go after Sawyer, it's mm. like you can go after Sawyer and we can actually talk and maybe we can actually, you know, make each other better. If you will, mm. you can, you can, as opposed to just using me, you can, we can talk it out. Uh, yeah. So there's kind of hope in that a little bit for Kate, although it takes a while for her to maybe come to terms with that. Or if she ever, I don't know if she ever does. Kate's always running. <laughs> we'll, we'll see by the end of the series. It, it's interesting to see Kate's arc, kind of as she like we saw some hope in Left Behind, and uh, mm-hmm. we shall see. Yep. Well, I guess that just about does it for Catch Twenty Two, Season Three, Episode Seventeen. We are in the home stretch of this season hard to believe we're almost through season three and uh what we got coming up next is a little bit more of everyone's favorite korean lady sun and some gin but mostly sun in doc that's right uh, yeah doc and i if if you want a prize, anyone, the first person to email us and tell us what DOC means gets 
the pride of knowing that they got it correct. So there's a, there's it. <laughs> there's <laughs> motivation to email us. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. It's getting late. I uh, I I don't think I really ever thought about what DOC meant until I was looking at the list of episodes this week, and I was like, it's "State of Conception," right? Hey, right? you spoiled it. Now everyone knows. <laughs> now <they're> gonna... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was looking, and I was like, I, I I'll get to it when I get to the episode, but that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about Sun and the date. We're gonna reveal the date of conception. <gasps> Ooh, exciting. But for now, we'll leave it there and I'll say thanks for talking lost with me, bro. Always fun. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening out there. And until next time, we will see you in another episode, brothers. Bye-bye.